Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Zoe, the healthcare technology company, is conducting some very important research on nutrition, and they also launched a fun challenge that helps people gain insight into their own gut health. Joining me now is Zoe co-founder Tim Spector, a researcher and author on the microbiome, nutrition, and genomics. Hi, Tim, and welcome to the NutriCast. Hi, it's a pleasure. So for those who don't know, what is Zoe? What can you tell us about it? Well, it's a health data company that's been going for about four years and is really dedicated towards doing the science first to generate the data that then give people personalized nutrition advice. And this is in the form of everyone doing a home kit that allows them to test themselves like the thousands of people that have gone into our studies already so that they get tested for their blood sugar, their blood fat, and their microbes. And we put all that together into a computer algorithm to generate personalized scores that you can use on your phone to then just trade off certain foods against each other and work out which ones are the ones best for your own metabolism, for your own blood sugar levels, for your own blood fat levels, and those that can improve your own microbes. And that's, that's essentially what we're doing. And this company has been going for a few months in the US and there is a live product now, but the, the research is very much ongoing. And so everyone who takes part in the product is also contributing to the science and giving their data back so that we, we can all use it and move forward. And when you say everybody is contributing, you mean when they submit their samples, that's added to a database, which kind of helps machine learning? That's exactly right. Yeah. So this only works at scale, and that's why the, the studies that led up to this called the PREDICT studies, which you know we've published uh, in the prestigious journal Nature Medicine, take thousands of people's data, give them all identical meals, look at their responses. These were done in hospitals in London and in, uh, to Mass General, and those responses then get put for everybody all together into algorithms to then work out How do you tell from those general responses how someone's going to respond to any food in the future? And that's really what we're trying to do, because we know that these blood sugar peaks or these fat residues in the blood that last for six hours or having bad gut microbes are all predictors of long term bad health and putting on weight, etc. So the whole idea is to find foods that don't do that in individuals. And so you can reduce those effects on a daily basis just by swapping foods around without actually counting calories, without uh, talking about, you know, carbs, fats, or the simplistic stuff. You, you're just using your app to say, how often should I be having this? Is there a healthier option? And using this massive database and all these participants really to, to help us move forward because we are realizing that everyone is totally unique and there isn't one diet that fits all. And so this is why everybody has to go through this process. And this, I think, will be very much how nutrition will be seen in the future. Gut health is so important as, as we are learning. And I feel like IBS and, and gut issues are so common now, probably more so than we realize. 
what has been the response so far? I imagine for some people, learning of this information about themselves could be life-changing. So the people who've done the Zoe test, on average, lost about six pounds in weight just in a, in a few weeks without, again, counting calories or limiting the foods they're eating. They're just swapping things around and thinking more about what they're eating. But interestingly for us, one of the big factors was people are saying they feel less tired and have more energy. And that's, that was something we didn't really expect. And that's been one of the major factors that people are just finding that once they eat foods that don't give them these sugar peaks or these sugar dips, they actually find themselves having more energy throughout the rest of the day and, and feeling less hungry. So we're learning these things as we go on, but so far the response has been really good and, and virtually everyone has gone on to say they would like to have retesting and, and carry on the plan. So it's still early days, we're still refining it, but the, the initial response has been fantastic. And also, yeah, so what are some of the key findings in terms of gut transit time? I know that you guys have been doing research on that as well. Yeah, this is, as part of the original PREDICT studies, which was the science behind the Zoe product, we wanted to look as much as possible. So one of the big things about studying the gut microbes is there's all kinds of other factors that make it difficult to compare individuals. And one of them is how long it takes food to get from one end to the other which is what we call the transit time. And so we devised a method where we dyed one of the muffins, the standard muffins everyone gets in the test, bright blue, and got people to time how long it took to go out the other end. And amazingly, we published this a couple of weeks ago in a, in a top gastro journal, and it turns out this is the best test so far of your gut health. And it correlates really well with the state of your, your gut microbes. And so we've come up with a, a way that's useful for individuals without costing any money, where they can have a rough idea of their gut health. And it also allows us in all these big studies where we are doing these really expensive sequencing studies of the gut microbes to really adjust and fine tune those results. So we take care of these otherwise biases in the data. And so everyone around the world, other scientists are going to use these methods in the future. You know, and because of this science, we then said, oh, hey, why don't we spread the word here? It's kind of a fun thing to do. And so we started this internet campaign really to get people to do this themselves, do it with their families. And you can go on the website, the joinzoe.com website, and you can fill in a quiz and, and put your times in, compare them to other people, see whether you're average or below average. And once you've done a little quiz, you can get twinned up with somebody else who has had the full test of full microbiome sequencing and work out for someone on your diet with your transit time, what your, likely, your microbes are likely to look like. So the whole idea was really to educate people and get away from this embarrassment about talking about your poo and your, how often you go to the toilet and your, you know, get everyone talking about something that should be natural and it, in many other countries outside the U.S., you know, is talked about a lot more. Yeah, so making that conversation more approachable, was that one of your main goals of this campaign? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think we most people's idea of gut health is only really about if they've got stomachache or bloating uh, or they've got some serious medical condition. People don't 
tend to think about their gut microbes and the importance of this, you know, these community of microbes that live in our in our colon. And so this is a way of getting everyone to think a bit more deeply about what's going on inside them in a way that everyone can test without having to go and see, you know, your gastro doctor or get expensive tests. This is just part of this educational journey about teaching people how important the gut microbes are and knowing where you are on that spectrum of health and then realizing that unlike your genes, you can actually modify them and change them if you feed them right. What do you think is a bigger factor? Do you think it's genes or do you think it's what you eat in your lifestyle? Well, if we're talking about your response to food, so your metabolic response to food is, is what we actually tested that directly in the PREDICT study because most of the people in the PREDICT study were twins. And twins, are, as you know, are this ideal natural experiment comparing nature v. nurture. And so we compared identical twins with non-identical twins, which tells us how much might be genetic. And it turned out that even identical twins had very different responses to food. And so that was a bit of a shock to us, particularly me, because I've spent the last 25 years studying twins and telling everyone how genetic everything is. So <laughs> to suddenly uh, have to eat my words and say, well, actually, maybe this nutrition thing, you know, it's not that genetic. It's not that hardwired, uh, which... It's kind of good news because it means that if it's not hard work, we can change the way we respond to food and we can actually get our microbes healthier. So it turns out that for overall, for how we respond to fats and how we respond to carbohydrates, our gut microbes and many other factors were more important than our genes. So there are many tests out there on the internet saying that we can test your genes and you can then devise the perfect diet for you. But this study sort of confirm that it, that is not evidence-based and, and really is got, not going to be useful for, for the vast majority of people. And that testing your microbes, testing your metabolism, testing your blood sugar, et cetera, is definitely the way to go. Wow, that is so fascinating. So when you guys were studying gut transit time, was there a microbial signature or signatures that you came across? Or I guess, you know, were there good and bad bugs associated with transit time? Yes, there were. So in the PREDICT studies, we'd come up with 30 bugs that most people had. We associated with both health and with certain foods. And these 30 bugs, we call the good and the bad guys, we put into a ratio. And ideally, you want to have a good ratio of good good to bad bugs and everyone's got a different ratio and it turned out that within the normal range and we're talking like something like between 14 hours and 50 hours transit time so we're excluding the the really extreme people uh, within that normal range you could draw a line a correlation line between the ratio of good bugs to bad bugs and your transit time so the shorter it was as long as it wasn't too short you had a healthier ratio and a better looking gut microbe. So you had more of the good guys to the bad guys, which meant you had more species, you had more diversity, you had less inflammation, less of the sort of fat guzzling microbes. And so that's what we were seeing, which is a snapshot of the health of individuals. And that's what you know people can do when they time it. And the average person in our studies was around 28 hours transit time, which is obviously going to the toilet less than once a day. And so although that's average, we probably think optimal is, is less, less than that. 
And so we, we're not quite sure where the sweet spot is, but that's in a way the point of getting maybe a million people to do the study is so we can find out where the healthiest uh, place to be is for men and women of different ages and different ethnicities living in different areas, etc. But I suspect it's going to be somewhere between 15 and 20 hours would be my my guess, but that's uh, we'll have to wait and see to be sure. You brought up a good point. You mentioned different areas of the world, different ethnicities. Do you ever look at industrialized communities versus people who live in a more industrialized community? Well, I've discussed this in, in my books, The Dartmouth and Spoonfed, because I went to uh, Tanzania a couple of years ago to visit the Hadza tribe, uh, who are the last hunter-gatherers in East Africa, who are basically our ancestors 100,000 years ago. And they have at least twice the number of microbial species that we have in the West. So essentially, we've lost half our species in the same way that our, you know, our planet has probably lost a lot of its diversity. And this is through antibiotics, through processed foods, through pesticides, etc. And it was very interesting spending time with them because you know, I managed to briefly boost my microbes because I, I ate the same food as they did for about four days. Uh, but this was only temporary. So as soon as I got back on the plane, airplane food again, you know, my microbes dropped off. Interesting. I mean, were you able to find out whether they suffer from fewer gastrointestinal issues? Oh, yeah. I I should have mentioned that. But they basically don't get heart disease, diabetes, obesity, any autoimmune disease or allergies. And most of their deaths are caused by, you know, trauma or falling out of a tree. So these guys are incredibly healthy. And but they, you know, it's their diet. They have maybe four times the amount of fiber. The average American does. And, you know, that's what keeps their gut microbes so healthy. It's eating a, a great diversity of plants and other foods uh, in their real form, totally unprocessed. Plus, you know, a bit their lifestyle as well. But I think it's it's mainly due to their diet that uh, makes them so healthy. So you said they have twice as many microbes as probably the average person here in the U.S. Is there a way to preserve those microbes or somehow bring them back into like more industrial nations like the U.S.? Uh, There are some programs culturing up these microbes that have been lost. And so in theory, it's possible. But at the moment, people are just collecting them. What we don't know is whether microbes that grow very well in an African tribesman are going to work as well in an Ohio farmer, because you may need to give them the right environment and also give them the right diet as well. So we we don't know how easy it is to move them around, but there are plans now conserving them like, like rare flowers or insects or anything else. So I think we're moving to this era, we are treating microbes like rare, precious animals. And uh, I think increasingly, you know, we need to know how to look after them. And of course, we've all got our own rare ones, because all of us, even in the West, have some pretty unique microbes inside us that, uh, you know, are worth hanging on to. After doing the Zoe test, I found like 30% of uh, Americans that I've got a parasite inside me called blastocystis. And I would have thought a year or two ago that I really wouldn't want this parasite. That is, if you look it up, it says it causes, you know, travel diarrhea and things. But it turned out that in our, our data, it was associated with being thinner and having much less abdominal fat inside you. So 
it's like a fat busting parasite. And so we, there may be many more of these little creatures inside us. Some of us, you know, maybe only one in 10,000 of us have them that I think are going to be like little treasure troves for the future. I imagine a lot of people are listening right now thinking, well, how do I get one of those <laughs> parasites inside me? Yeah, well, that's right. I can donate mine, you know, if anyone <laughs> wants to send a spam address envelope. I can, uh, I can, <laughs> no, but, uh, but I think this is the next stage of the research is what we're trying to do is say, you may have minute numbers in you that need feeding up. So what is it that makes them grow best? How can you transfer them? Could you dry them and have them in some way as a probiotic? All these things are, are really exciting stuff to look for in the future. And uh, we're just on the, this sort of tip, seeing the tip of the iceberg of this explosion of, of knowledge about how we can use these natural microbes to help our health, whether it's just losing weight or it's things like our mental health, improving our mood, or, you know, importantly at the moment, our immune systems and fighting COVID, which uh, we think they're absolutely crucial in as well. All kinds of stuff coming out at the moment that's... Um, super exciting and it's and it's just all coming together at once because we you know we can finally s- sequence in great detail these microbes through genetic methods and we've got these great devices these glucose monitors that you can stick on your arm now that are getting cheaper and cheaper give you a reading every five minutes for two weeks you know it goes onto your phone telling you all your blood sugar without needing blood tests uh, and then you know we've got these massive supercomputers that can compress all this information and, and produce it on a fancy app that tells you what to do. So it's a totally new era in, in healthcare and, and science. It is such an exciting time. And you are an expert, of course, and you know how important this research and these findings are. How do you sort of convey that importance to consumers? I think that the key is to get people interested in the topic and to make them realize if they understand more about their gut microbes, then a lot of the the myths about our, our diets become exposed. You realize that one size doesn't fit all, that what suited your neighbor or your sister and helped them lose weight or be healthy isn't going to necessarily work for you. And that the whole idea of calories doesn't make sense in a microbe world, you know. And suddenly you realize that food is much more than just fats and carbohydrates. It's, it's hundreds of chemicals that are actually fuel for your microbes and if you start seeing your gut microbiome as this amazing community of 100 trillion beings that are basically all chemical factories and they act together as a virtual organ and they weigh about the same as your brain and if you think of it as like a second brain that are producing these amazing chemicals that are really good for your your boosting your your metabolism helping you uh, get rid of excess fat they're helping you stay alert and not get anxious and depressed and they're helping boost your immune system then you can start thinking about right i really want to look after these guys i've really got to feed them the right stuff and then that next question is okay what do i feed them and so that that's the next question that gets people excited so okay feed them 30 plants a week different types of plants you don't want the same kale smoothie every day that's really bedell for your microbes they like variety and that's what grows different ones. You know, you want those that are brightly colored berries and nuts and seeds and dark chocolate and red wine. You want fermented foods, the probiotics, and having those little shots of um, kefir and yogurt, cheese, kombucha. And then, you know, avoiding ultra-processed foods with all kinds of nasty chemicals in it. 
And if you do that, you know, you're on your way to, to convincing people that this is a new way of thinking about food, new way of thinking about the science, and then they'll start to take care of their gut microbes like they would a precious garden and try and nourish it and look after it in the, exactly the same way. And I think that's, that's the key to it. It's, it's an educational journey that everyone really needs to be become an expert themselves in not only their own bodies and their own gut, but also they need to know much more about the fit they're putting in themselves. And I think this whole program of science, plus you know, getting people interested, even the Blue Poo Challenge, or for a few people who want to go on to the next stage and do the, the actual Zoe test kit, you know, this is all a journey of education. And it's, you know, it's not just something for a six-week slimming course. This is you know, something that's going to change, change the way you think about food the rest of your life. So fascinating. Is there any new research that you're working on or any new projects that you can tell us about? This is one big uh, never-ending research project. So um, <laughs> we've published only so far on 1,000 people. and We've now got data on about 4,000 that we're working through. We're looking at what are the, the best foods and predictors of what makes you uh, hungry and which makes you full. We published on sugar dips a few weeks ago, just showing that there are one in four people that get this sort of mid-morning blip in their sugar, and that that makes them actually eat 20% more the rest of the day. And there's lots of exciting stuff similar to that. And we're finding also people who sleep poorly also tend to overeat the next day. And sometimes the timing of your sleep, even if you sleep for seven hours, if you go to bed earlier, you're going to perhaps eat less the next day than if you go to bed later. All kinds of little things like this that that are super exciting, as well as knowing when to exercise before or after meals can be different for different people. And we've got that. And also this, this circadian rhythms. Some people are better off eating more of their meals at the beginning of the day, others at the end of the day. All this stuff is coming out fairly soon, you know, over the next year. And all of it is showing just how unique we all are and how different and how we can't just follow some standard rule book and, and you know, hope it's going to work for us. We have to all do this voyage of discovery and experimentation ourselves. Mm-hmm. So all your research is just really highlighting how different we all are and how this one size fits all approach just isn't something that we need to do. We need to follow more of an, a personalized approach, which you think is the future of healthcare. Absolutely. Yes. So I think once you realize this is true for foods, you also realize it's also true for medications as well, because we know that our gut microbes are as just as they work differently in different people on, you know, how to, how they digest the foods you put in and whether it gives you a sugar spike or not. They also are key whether, you know, they will make an antidepressant tablet work in you or not, or whether, you know, some other, heart pills are going to work. And so increasingly, I think this is going to be very much part of our lives as we move forward. And we realize this dogma of guidelines that started really in the Second World War of saying, this is how everyone should eat. This is what, you know, this is the way to do it, which were there to prevent vitamin deficiencies mainly, you know, are really not fit for purpose. So we should just throw them out. Uh, maybe a list of things that we should be avoiding. And, uh, most of them, which we know, which are, you know, what most Americans eat. It's too much junk food, too many snacks, too much ultra-processed stuff and artificial sweeteners and chemicals, etc., which 
none of which are good for us. And it's not about the, the content of sugar and, and fats. It's, it's, it's about the fact they, they don't agree with our gut microbes and, and they make, they, that makes them send out signals that make us overeat. So I think these are the, the really big issues that need to be addressed. But uh, it's, as I said, it's all part of this education that we have to re-educate people get people away from these dogmas about it's blaming the fat or it's blaming the carbs or I've got to go on a six-week keto or I've got to do this or that. It's it's changing the whole way we think about food and making sure it's a long-term love affair between the food we put in our mouths and, and those lovely gut microbes inside us. I like that. Tim, for those who might be interested in joining your, your challenge or finding out more information about Zoe, where can they head to? Well, for both the Blue Poo Challenge and the uh, Zoe Home Test Kit, just go to joinzoe.com and you can sign up now. And if you put uh, forward slash Tim, you might get up the way to eight wait list um, if you're lucky. Oh, got a little tip there. Certainly a company to keep our eyes on. Zoe co-founder Tim Spector, thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast. It's been my pleasure. You should definitely do the blue poo challenge and see if you can beat me. (laughs) Uh, What am I aiming for? You're going to beat 19 hours. (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) If you like what you just heard, you could subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.